Good stuff. Good morning. Yeah, we're still morning. Thank you so much, Paul and Jason. Uh, I'm just repeating myself from last week. I, I, uh, I'm like. So we're, that's like, that's what we're created for. Like, we were created to be together. Like, that's, it's the nature of the one whose image we are made and the relational God and created us to, for community. And um, maybe you're not like me with some of the ways that we've tried to do that. Just don't. Just don't compare to being able to worship together and uh, just hearing the sound of other people worshiping Jesus is beautiful. And um, I've said this about a lot of stuff, but it's one of those moments like, God, please don't let me take this for granted. Don't let me take this for granted again. Um, so, yeah, let's go. We are looking at the, we were looking at the, at the Sermon on the Mount, specifically the Beatitudes over the next number of months. Uh, I'd love us to become so familiar with this mandate that Jesus left for his followers. And so although each day we'll just take one line, we're just going to take one Beatitude at a time, I'd love us that every, every time we get together we would uh, read through this whole section. I'd love you as, throughout your throughout your days and your weeks, you become so familiar with these words of Jesus. As I said last week, in a time where we're tempted to be pulled to the left or the right, Jesus offers us this pathway, pathway for those who are going to lay down everything to pursue him. Because what Jesus is saying here in, on the Sermon on the Mount, everything he says <laughs> And from Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 6, and 7 in our Bibles, it's just so subversive. It's so counterintuitive. And, um, and so that's, that's the lifestyle, that's the kingdom lifestyle that Jesus has called us to. It's what he truly initiated here as he gathered the disciples around him. Um, and so let me read it. Uh, 5 verse 1, Matthew 5 verse 1. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down and his disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for, because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Every time I read that, just like I'm reminded of how counterintuitive this is. Blessed are you when you mourn. Blessed are you when people persecute you. Blessed are you when people say all kinds of horrible things against you. Jesus, this is this doesn't seem to make sense. And so we're gonna we wanna we wanna take hold of this. 
And I think it's, it's, one of the things that the, it's one of the things that the church has always wrestled with. And so really quickly, I don't want to bore you with a history lesson, but the church has always struggled to know what to do with the Sermon on the Mount. The early, I think the early Everything church... Everything else, all sufficiency, security, and righteousness stripped away. I want to go to a story really quickly, and I know that we're, we're wanting to be really uh, respectful of time, uh, trying to stick to 15, 20 minutes. But um, Luke chapter 18, I think... Uh, uh, gives us a real helpful insight into um, into what we're trying to, to say here. So Luke chapter 18, verse 9. Just let, let me read these few verses, if that's okay. To some who were confident of their own righteousness, so it says in the NIV that I'm reading from. Uh, to some who were confident of their own righteousness. It's the opposite. This is the opposite of what Jesus is saying. Those who are confident on their, on their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. Jesus told this parable. It's something to say to those who are reliant on their own self-righteousness. Who because of their own self-security and self-sufficiency and self-righteousness end up looking down on everybody else. So Jesus tells this parable. Two men went up to a temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. And the Pharisee stood up and he prayed a lot about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like the other men. Thank you that I'm not like the robbers, like the evildoers, like the adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all that I get. So if you want a perfect example, I think, of what, what the opposite of this beatitude looks like, I think it's here in this righteous, religious Pharisee reliant on himself, reliant on his own righteousness, looking down on everybody else. And then we come to the tax collector, and the tax collector stood at a distance. And there's a part of me grieves over that. Because here's a tax collector who's the lowest of the low. In society, there's nobody viewed, there's nobody viewed lower than a tax collector. And it grieves me because automatically I find myself putting, putting those who, are, who view themselves as the lowest of the low in our society and stand at a distance from the church, stand at a distance from the place of worship. And so the tax collector stands at a distance and he would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his chest and he said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. That's the pattern that I've tried to, like, especially at the beginning of lockdown. I've said it before, like, just trying to, like, moments of, like, God, I'm so, I don't know what's happening here. There's moments of uncertainty and confusion comparing himself to anybody else. He recognized his need for God. He, he recognized that everything that he had had been given, and he turns, uh, he turns to God and, and can't even look because he's have mercy on me a sinner and so I want to ask you the question and this is why it's really challenging this is why I'm so provoked by this what like who do you most look like who can you most relate to in your honesty in your heart of hearts whenever you look yourself in the mirror who do you most look like you look like the Pharisee confident in your own righteousness standing from a distance looking down at everybody else reliant on all the stuff that you do and all the money that you give or do you find yourself more relatable to the tax collector 
who doesn't even compare himself to anybody else, but takes on this, this posture of, God, I'm so poor in spirit. Would you have mercy on me? And I'm so challenged by this question. I'm, I'm challenged by it from a personal level, but I'm wondering what does the church look like today? And I think moments like Saturday morning are really important for the church. I'm not trying to guilt trip you into coming on Saturday morning. But so often the posture of the church has been, will you come, like, it's one of, come to our stuff so that we can rescue you. Come to us so that we can rescue, rescue. But as I more I look at the life of Jesus, I think his, his posture was one of, uh, how, can, how can I go to you to serve you? It's a big difference, it really is. Come to us so that we can rescue you. Are we saying that to our community? Or are we saying, actually, no, we're going to go to you and ask, how can we serve you? I think it's a big difference. And I think that's what we want to do on, on, on Saturday morning. Getting our hands dirty, getting right in amongst. And there's it, it going to be some of the churches there, but better than that, it's going to be some of the community groups that make up this community, that make up this village. We're going to do this together. We're going to serve this, we're going to serve this village. And, uh, and I think it's really important. But I digress. What, 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 is the, what does the church look like today? Is the church, does the church look like the tax collector or does the church look like the Pharisee? Is the reputation of the church one of standing away from the people at a distance and saying, thank God I don't look like that. Thank God I haven't got myself into the mess that they've got themselves into. Thank God I'm working this all out. I thank God I'm still giving the tithe and thank God that I'm, I'm still showing up to church every week or, or whatever it is. Or are we so aware of our God dependency, or we're so aware of our need for him that we are like the tax collector, that the church is like the tax collector. Come to us because we're working this all out together. Come to us, there's a welcome here because we still haven't worked it all out. We do not have our act together. And if you do, like, I am so glad all of you are here, but I'm, like, I want to be honest with you. If you're in a place where you have it all worked out, if you have your act all together, you are probably not going to be comfortable here. Because I, like, I am like, I'm broken. And if you're like, if it's a struggle for you to be part of somewhere where people are broken, then you'll not, you'll not be comfortable here. And I'm asking myself, like, what does a community who is poor in spirit look like? And I think one of the answers to that question is they're broken. Their brokenness in the kingdom, we start with our brokenness. I'm not. I don't think there's necessarily an order to the beatitudes here. But for this first one, blessed are the poor in spirit. And the, what what does a kingdom community look like? Well, I think in the kingdom we start with our brokenness. And so often we have tended to hide it. So often the church is like we have the church has allowed it. We, we tend to hide our brokenness. And I can't remember I remember who said it, um, but I heard this quote recently that our our brokenness is something is not something to hide. It's our price of admission. Our brokenness is not something to hide. It's the price of admission. And so if you're broken, you belong. And I love this community to hear that. If you're broken, you belong. You do not have to be like the tax collector and stand at a distance and not even able to look up to, to heaven, not even able to come before a God who is loving and kind and merciful and gracious. And so as I said, the mindset of the tax collector was there where they knew that they were at the bottom. They knew that they had no one else to look down on. As I was considering that this week, reminded of Paul's 
words to Timothy, 1 Timothy 1, verse 15, I think it is, says, Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of who I am the foremost. I'm the, I'm the worst. <laughs> I think Paul, Paul understood that because he had taken this posture that Jesus was preaching uh, on the mountainside. Blessed are you when you're poor in spirit. Blessed are you when you recognize who you are and who I am. Blessed are you when you're fully aware of your dependence on me. Blessed are you when you're aware that everything you have is a gift that's been given. And I am convinced that 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 changes. I'm convinced that will change how we view other people, but not only how we view others, but how we value others. Because we wrestle through this first beatitude. And and so what we want to do, what we want to do um, there's a guy that uh, I've, I've really appreciated his ministry. He's a guy called Mark Scandretti, and he's put together um, a two-minute video on every one of the Beatitudes. And so every Monday morning, I'd love just to send out a video based on the Beatitude that we've looked at on a Sunday. And all he's doing is pretty much just asking a question. That's a question that I'd love you to ask yourself. And it's a question that I'd love like, whenever the ladies in whatever form you get together, that you would be asking the same question. That we would just be challenged by this together. And as we get together on Tuesday night, the men, like we just want to, we want to be, we want to be really, we don't want to get together just for the sake of it. In some ways, that, that, that'll be worth it. Like I just, like it's great to hang out. We want to get together because we want to sharpen one another. We want to, we want to come with all our brokenness and all our stuff and just, uh, and just bring it all before, before Jesus. And, um, and so that's what we, that's what we want to do. And so I'm convinced that as we think about, uh, what we do from here. Like I said this last week, so much of what I want to do in my own personal walk and as a part of this church family is to keep on asking the question, how do I love God and how do I love others? And I think as we, as we look at what it is to be poor in spirit, that I think it will change how we value others and I think that is so important. That's really important for me. I want to see Jesus. I want to see people how Jesus sees them. But not only that, I want to value them how he values them. So regardless of whatever judgment I have for the decisions that people have made along the journey of their lives, there is one thing that I do know. I don't know how they've ended up in the place that they've got to. I don't know how they've ended up in their place of brokenness, their place of walking away or rejecting the good news of Jesus or whatever. But there is one thing I do know, regardless of what my judgment might be, I know that they are people of incredible worth, unsurpassable worth, infinite value. And I know that they were worth Jesus dying for. And so as I, as I engage with my community this week, I think as, as, I've, as I have already begun to wrestle through this, it has shifted something. But I, st- I need to stay there. It needs to be a constant daily thing. God, help me to wrestle with these Beatitudes because I want to view people differently. I want to value people differently. Amen? Let me pray. This is where this challenge is going to look different for all of us. But if you're willing, if you're willing to engage with this, not to embarrass people, but if you're willing to engage with this in any way over the next number of weeks, Stand and let, let's pray about this together as a, as a church family.
Yes, oh God, we, uh, we're standing, I'm standing, I'm standing as a, as a, as a gesture toward you that I, uh, I want to be where you are, as Jason has led us, as Jason and Paul have led us, I want to be where you are. God, become fully convinced as I engage with your ways and your words that where you were was with the broken and the lost and the lonely and the isolated. That's where you were. Not counting their sins against them, but drawn incredibly close. The people would experience freedom. People would experience all that you've called them to be. And God, I pray that ultimately we would know that even before we begin to think outside of outside of our own lives, God, I pray that you would help us to see how you view us and how you value us. And God, I pray that you would, you would teach us what it would be to come before you broken, what it is to come before you completely dependent, completely reliant. And so we love you and just thank you for everybody that's here. Today. Pray you bless them and bless their families, bless their homes. God, every home, God, of those that are engaging with this online, I pray that you would bless them. Be so present with them today. And so encourage us as we leave, challenge us, and um, stand us fully aware of our need for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bless you all. Thanks for being here. Um, thankfully, it's still dry outside. If you have anything, if you're able to give at all in any way, please, please do that. Um, and if you want to engage with one another, uh, let's do that outside. See you safely. <laughs>